We've got a lot of awesome stuff in store this morning. And first, we have our friend, Will Sheehy, that's joining us. He's going to speak a little bit uh, for about five or ten minutes about what he does. So he's with a company called Send56. And what they do is they send missionaries over to Africa, unreached tribes in Africa. So he's going to come up and share a little bit about what he does. And we're so excited to hear about it and ways that we can get involved. So if y'all help me just welcome Will Sheehy up. All right. Morning, everybody. It's nice to see you this morning. Um, I actually grew up in Pensacola, so yeah, I left at 18, but I come back every chance I get. I love being in Pensacola. I love the beach here. I have a family. Are you, is my family here? I'm looking around. Oh, there you are. Etta, can you stand up? Philip, you guys wave. This is, oh, Joyceana's there too. They snuck in after I got here. Um, if you want to go to the first or second picture, here's the whole tribe here. I, I only have eight kids, so you can pray for me. Um, we're really trying to uh, obey the first commandment, you know, be fruitful and multiply. <laughs> so I was in Uganda for 13 years as a full-time missionary. We just moved back about two years ago to help give leadership to our ministry on the America side as well. And really, my heart is to represent to you guys what the church in Africa is doing in the continent of Africa. Because when's the last time you had a guy from Africa up here talking about what's happening in Africa? Probably it's been a minute. So I'm here to tell you guys about what God's doing through the church in Africa. What's really big on our heart is there's 1,000 tribes in Africa that don't have the gospel. They don't have access to the gospel. They're unreached. And I believe with all my heart, the best way to reach African tribes is with other African tribes. So what we do is we go to the tribes that have been reached, and we train and equip them and send them to the tribe next door that hasn't been reached yet. And we've been doing this now for about 15 years, and we've got 62 African missionaries, praise God. Yeah. And um, yeah, you can clap for that. I've, it makes me so happy. We're working in eight countries in Africa, working with about 20 different people groups, and most of these are Muslim tribes. A lot of them are very hostile to the gospel. So if I go there as a white guy, I kind of draw a lot of attention to myself, and they say, hey, look at that missionary. But if a Ugandan goes to another tribe in Uganda, they totally fly under the radar. So I'd like to just um, start by showing you guys a video. What I did in my 13 years is I trained and equipped a leadership team of Ugandans, and they're all leading the base right now, so we have Ugandans training Ugandans to reach other Ugandans in other countries in Africa while I'm over here. So um, these guys tell the story the best. So we'll cue up the video and let them share about what God's doing over there. main vision for all of this is to see Jesus worshipped in all the tribes of Africa. So far we have over 900 
unreached tribes in Africa. And that's why we are training missionaries and sending them. And that's why we are praying night and day for that to become a reality. We are called by God. We had a heart for missions. Specifically me, I'm from a Muslim background. So when I get saved when I was 15, I felt the Lord was calling me to go to missions, to reach the Muslims and what I'm doing right now. I was so, so strong when I have this one from Islamic background. So it gives me morale to say, let me go and I will get souls from Christ. I'm coming in a Christian family. However, uh, Christian by name, yeah, I reached a moment whereby uh, I was put in prison and God visited me in a dream. After him visiting me in a dream, and he was like, I am the only one who can make you get out of this place. And I was praying to God, telling him, could you please flee me out? And uh, God visited me in a dream and was like, on one condition, if I make you come out, promise me that you're going to serve me. So that's how I came to Christ. Uh, I also come from a background of a family that was a polygamous family. My parents, you know, worshipped idols and things like that. When I got saved, my father kicked me out of my home because it felt like I've brought in another worship. When I see how my life changed, how my perspective of things changed, how idol worship is not the, it doesn't help us, but it hurts us. And, you know, it's, it's excitement to see what God has done in my life, the joy that I've received from within. The only way to express is that, that is to, you know, carry it on to see the next tribe, the next young generation also get to know about Christ. Ten fifty six is a one of a kind opportunity for the young zealous African people that are desiring to serve God among their own people. We are born in one village. You grow up in one village. You probably go to a small village school and you'll you know become a father or mother die in that village. But then Saint fifty six comes in and like challenges us to think beyond our tribe. I am a missionary in, uh, in Sudan, in a region called Inuba Mountains. When they mentioned the school and the vision, I felt my heart in contact with the vision. So it motivated me to join the school, to learn more uh, about uh, Christ and my calling, so that I can serve uh, the unreached people group. Because I wanted to have the knowledge more knowledge of Christ and to be equipped, that's when I happened to enter into the theological school. So the training is uh, majorly focusing on them having a deeper understanding of the Word of God and a deeper intimate relationship with Jesus. Before you represent Jesus, you must really know Him. So I believe intimacy with Jesus precedes missions. They taught me to discover uh, my calling and my gift and uh, they sharpened me more. When, when I became a believer, one of the biggest challenges that I noticed among my peers who had also become believers was that people struggled with lack of knowledge of how to do missions. So we have classes where we teach them two hours a day and we teach them basic Bible doctrines, basic theology, 
We teach them Islamics because we believe that a big percentage of the unreached tribes in Africa are Muslims. Majority of them are Muslims because our focus is to go to the Muslims. So there is that provision of being trained in Muslim evangelism. So we equip them how to engage the Muslims with the gospel. We teach them Arabic language. We teach them some tactical methods of approaching the Muslims with the gospel. And then they spend four hours of prayer a day because we believe the knowledge they receive in the head, in order for it to get to the heart, they have to spend time in the place of prayer. So actually they spend more time in the prayer room than they spend in the classroom. There could be no missions when there are no prayers. When we pray, boom, God does it. And so that when they go to the mission field, they are not just talking about what they've heard and they have memorized, but what they have experienced, what the Lord has called them into. The moments that you are overwhelmed with everything and all that you studied is not working out, what you do is to cry unto God and ask for the leadership and direction and only that comes through prayer. So prayer connects them to God and also equips them to war against the enemy, especially in the mission field. It's, it's actually easier. It's easier for us to adjust and to understand uh, the neighboring tribes. Our missionaries, uh, they learn the language very fast. In the first very beginning, um, we didn't know the language. So I devoted myself. I told my husband, I will interpret you. I have to learn the language as you begin using interpreters. Right now, I'm perfectly neat. I can interpret people. I can interpret my husband. The, the communities accept them accept them very easily. How do I do friendship? Evangelism is helping some other women who have struggles in marriage. Maybe you know they are suffering or having sicknesses. I pray for them. So they became close. The gospel is going very well and some women are now reading the Bible. We have a small church there and we are soon starting another house of prayer. But we have seen God saving them. We have baptized them. We have disciples and God has done a great work there. A number of them have given their lives to Jesus. A number of baptisms have taken place. We have baptized many of them. Some of them uh, who have been disciples for a good time, uh, they are now starting to participate in their work of evangelism together with us. I believe the burden of the Lord to reach those places. We believe the reason as why the Lord is really burdening us to go to such places is because not many people are ready to go. The Bible said that, who, whom shall we send? And we say, here we are senders. And how shall they hear unless there is a preacher? And how shall they go unless somebody sends them? My hope, I really want to see women in Islam knowing the truth. My zeal or my plan and my dream, I want them to become disciples so that they may also, when you happen to leave that place, when they are able also to carry that gospel to other tribes. My hope, the Nubian people, I'm seeing them in the future that there is going to be birthed a movement among the Nubians, by Nubians, that they will be reaching their own with the gospel of Jesus Christ. My passion is the Lord will raise a house of prayer, raising the army of worshippers and prayer warriors right from the natives who worship the Lord in their own language and also reach their own people. It's been dangerous, but it's worth it because Jesus is worthy not only of our lives, but even he's not worthy only of our worship, but he's worthy of everything, including our life. He said, anybody wants to become my disciple, 
must be willing to even lay down his life, deny himself. And we believe it's a privilege because Jesus is worthy of everything. See, I could have tried to tell you guys all that same stuff, but it's so much more effective hearing it directly from the horse's mouth. These guys are frontline workers. A lot of the guys who are just sharing are working in very remote locations. Some of the guys, it takes two or three days just to get to the base camp, and then another two or three days to get deep into the mountains where they're working. A lot of them are very dangerous places, hostile places. A lot of them have had their lives threatened, and they've been imprisoned, and these guys are willing to risk their necks for the sake of Jesus. Um, I just want to end by just sharing one story about one of the missionaries. And the reason this is so cool is we have a missionary sponsorship program. So we try to raise $500 per missionary, and that trains a missionary in our school and fully funds a missionary on the front lines. And you guys, as Upper Room Church, are fully funding one of our missionaries. So you guys are part of this. When, when these guys score a point, we, the whole team gets the point. So we're all part of this together, and I want to encourage you guys in this. This is what you guys are doing, and you're part of this story together as a church. And I wanted to just share these stories with you because you may not be aware of what you guys are doing as a church. It may be a little disconnected because you're here and they're there. So I just want to share one quick story. Can we go to um, the Oringa People Group in Northwest Kenya? It is... 652,000 people in this tribe, and they're 1.5% evangelical Christian. So majority Muslim tribe. Um, you can go to the next slide. And Peter is one of our missionaries there. He's a Ugandan, and we trained him in our school, and we placed him among the Oringa tribe in his own country within Uganda. And Peter's been, he was trained in how to share the gospel with Muslims, and he has a gift for debating, which you might be like, how fruitful is it to argue with people? Well, in the Muslim evangelism context, when you debate, you get to share the gospel to a Muslim audience. And then their representative, the imam, asks all the questions they're thinking, and you get to answer them. And it's an amazing tool, and Peter's very good at it. And he started doing that, and the Muslim radio station invited him to do a two-hour segment every week. And they did it. He was debating with an imam for two hours a week for four weeks in a row, and they suddenly stopped the radio program. And they said to Peter, or they didn't say anything to Peter. They didn't tell him why. But he had a guy on the inside who explained to him. And the other imams and things like that at their Muslim radio station, they were saying to the imam that was debating Peter, they're like, you cannot handle this man. 
He is too knowledgeable for you. You have to go back to school. And they canceled the whole program. And what that means is that Peter did a great job representing Jesus and defending the gospel to the whole county. And in Africa, everybody listens to radio. They don't have smartphones and data and all that. They get, they, everybody's dialed into the radio. So that ended, that ministry had to end abruptly at the end of last year. So Peter had to reassess, what am I gonna do? What's my new ministry strategy? So you can go to the next slide. So he started, he got about 15 of these young Oringa believers that they've led to the Lord and they've been discipling. And he put them through boot camp for about a month and trained them and equipped them to be evangelists and disciple makers and church planters. So this is their school. They went out every week for evangelism um, three times a week. And you can go to the next slide. They got to meet this guy. So they were preaching in marketplaces and, and hospitals, things like that, in this Muslim city. Um, you can go to the next slide. Here they are. Here's the 15. Next slide. They got to... Um, and so, so what they did is about eight of them made it through. Uh, the other seven dropped off throughout the month. It was pretty intensive. And Peter's goal now is they wanted to start a house church. And from that house church, he has these eight leaders. He wants them to start eight house churches throughout Oringa by the end of the year. And so they just finished a few weeks ago. I got to talk to Peter on Monday. And he said, already they've... They've won, um, how many people? They won 18 people to the Lord in the first two weeks from the Oringa tribe. And they've already started a second house church. This is like the first two weeks out of the gate. So they got to baptize these guys in the river behind you. You can go to the next slide. Um, and so what's exciting about this, you can go to the next slide, please. This is one thing that Peter said. He said, when the indigenous people, he's talking about the Oringa tribe, drive the ministry work here, it has a huge impact. It's seen as a local thing, which is important because before Christianity was seen as a foreign religion. But when the Oringa people are telling Oringa people about it, it's seen as something local, something from within. I don't know how long I'll be here before the Lord calls me somewhere else. But I know the work will continue to grow if I leave it. So I'm really excited about the stage of the ministry with Peter. They've been there about five years. And now he's really handing the work off to the Oringa people. And they're multiplying it. And before long, he's going to work himself out of a job. And he's going to go somewhere else and start the work all over again. So that's a big win for Team Jesus. And I just wanted to tell a quick story about Peter. I could have told you a story about 10 different people, but for the sake of time, I just picked one. And you guys are sending out one of these guys just like Peter. So well done, Upper Room. I'm so glad we get a partner together to send the gospel to the unreached in Africa. Amen. Oh, I almost forgot. Um, on your way out, if you guys want to actually go to the last slide, I think there's a QR code. You can, you can grab one of our Connect cards. This is a different Connect card than the Upper Room one, all right? We have some too. And you can sign up and we'll give you guys prayer updates, newsletters, things like that, so you can be more connected with the work in Africa that you're supporting. Cover these guys in prayer.
Um, and there's a really cool sticker. If you guys like stickers, we got a sticker, all right? And we have a book. Um, it's a book about missions and what God's doing in Africa and the Muslim world and the role of prayer. And it will really equip you with your understanding of what's, what's the Great Commission and how you can engage in it. You can grab one from the book table on the way out. If you have 10 bucks for the book, that's awesome. Help cover costs. If you don't and you'll read it, grab one anyway. Please, if you read it, just take one on the house. All right, that's it. Thank you, guys. How incredible. Thank you, Will. Um, so like you said, guys, on your way out, one of the things that one of the gentlemen set up there was his heart felt connected to the mission, and so he went, and I thought that was incredible. So if that spoke to you, if your heart felt connected to that mission, go out and fill out one of those Connect cards and find out more. Um, we'd love for you guys to get involved with that even more than we already are. So next thing on the agenda, I have the honor to bring up Dr. Buck Waters, and if you don't know, yeah, actually, let's give him a hand first. A guy that could run for mayor of Pensacola and win in a heartbeat and has been a mentor to me, whether he knows it or not. We're excited to hear just a few words from Dr. Buck. Well, I won't keep you here past the uh, buffet, okay? Um, I got a chance to speak to Will yesterday at his, at his dad's house, and uh, he was talking about raising up national leaders, right? And I think the term that we may use in church, uh, so if you're not churched, uh, we'll break it down because none of us were churched before we got churched, okay? Um, it's the incarnate. So Christ comes as a, as a Jewish carpenter. That's how, that's how we brought him in. He brought him in to fit perfectly in the culture. He wasn't a Greek. He wasn't foreign. He was a fit, a perfect fit. What Will's doing is he's finding perfect fits. Perfect fits that fit the culture. Perfect fits that can go. So as I'm listening to Will, I would say this. Sin 56 is raising up leaders who are part of the tribe. Leaders that can be accepted. My question this morning to me and to all of us here is, um, who's our tribe? Who are we reaching? We have got a fit. We are a perfect fit. And we were crafted before the foundation of time to serve God and to do his bidding for his kingdom with his power. In that, we need to find our tribe. We need to find our place. We're going to fit in our tribe just like Peter fits in the tribe on the screen. Now, what do we need? We need to get filled up. We need to get filled up. Nathan's been talking about leadership, and it's good. And, 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 and we are leading whether we know it or not. And we are discipling whether we know it or not, because whoever is watching you, whoever is watching you is who you're discipling. God help us. I mean, I got some t-shirts, right? And a lot of them, they're Christian t-shirts, right? 
I, I could be a little embarrassed to wear one, and here's why. Bad behavior, bad behavior on my part, not Jesus' part. He didn't even do nothing to do with it. His behavior was spotless, but people are watching us. So God has made you, crafted you for a tribe that he's called you to serve somewhere. We got Peter Dublin, who we were with yesterday. He grew up doing sign language, doing the deaf ministry. He's, he's, he's a full speaker and a full hearer. He is perfect in his language. But his mom and dad brought him up in this. We were with him yesterday. So we were with a tribe yesterday on the beach of hearing impaired. And we were with another tribe yesterday of surfers. I can tell you, I'm not a great surfer. I had a lot of fun surfing. But I got a chance to surf around the world and the tribe of surfers around the world connects. It connects. So I don't know what your tribe is, but I know you got one. And I know in him, so I've got a few verses that really have meant a lot to me. And they, I think if you'll resonate with them and think about it and meditate, it's a message for you too, every one of us. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If I spend the rest of my life on that verse, I don't know that I'll hit bottom. I don't know that I'll hit bottom. Our work, our mission, so the tribe that he has for you, he prepared that tribe and prepared you for it before the foundation of time. We are walking into his work. This is not what we saw. This is not Will's work. Will by the grace of God, recognized some truths about the incarnate ministry and missions of helping people, encouraging others to find their tribe, equipping them to know that Christ is sufficient, and in him you can reach your tribe. It's going to be through love and service. For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life. I encourage you, when you find your tribe, add value to the tribe. Encourage others. We're going to find our sweet spot with the Lord. We're going to find the will of God in serving others. We're going to find our strength in submission. And we're going to find victories in obedience. So I want you to be, I want you, when you leave today, I want you to be confident, for sure. Confident. You got a tribe. What do you love? Where do you fit? And in that fit is where you serve. And your message is Christ. I was listening to a little message last night from John Wesley. And John Wesley says, we come to offer Christ. 
we're not offering up a room. We're not offering a denomination. We're offering the creator of creation. We're offering the savior. And he knows your name. And he has a tribe for you. So Heavenly Father, I just ask you today to take these words, just to take our hearts, Lord God, and give us the strength. Give us the strength to believe. Give me the strength to believe what I just said. Give me the strength to live it out. People are watching our behavior. They're watching our behavior, and our words have meaning if our behavior matches. God, help us to follow you. Follow the model of Christ, the humility, the love, the caring, the service. And let's not get in a hurry. Let's wait on the Lord. Let's ask him, because as we run fast towards wherever we're going, we're passing opportunities that the Lord has given us. We're passing our tribe up. So I thank you for everything you've done, Lord. I ask for a special blessing on Nathan and Caitlin as they rest today, that you may give them strength, that Nathan may get refilled, come up, and just give us a fresh download of what you're telling the church through him. And I thank you for all you do. I thank you for Send 56 and Will Sheehy and the family that is here. I ask for a special blessing on, on them, Lord, a special blessing that they may strengthen up the workers in Africa and around the globe. And I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.